Hey everybody, welcome back to the Race Nerd Podcast here on CKCC Radio. Hopefully you are enjoying all the other fine shows that are part of our little podcasting family, whether it's Motivational Moves with Adrian Cotton, the Bored to Death Binge Cast, Jeff Trelowitz and his two shows, Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks. Or Jason Shin, host of the J Bunny's Music Hub, his show. Or the Club Cafe Brussels Talk. Or our new show on the network called The Nerd Table. Hopefully you're all liking and subscribing to those shows on all your social social media podcasting platforms. I have no idea how social media got in there. Anyway, um, we got a lot to talk about. But first, we got a pop quiz nose. In 1989, what movie was prominently sponsored on Dale Jarrett's number 29, Hardy's? Pontiac and is believed to be the first actual movie tie-in that does not have to do with racing featured on a NASCAR stock car. I will have the answer later on in the show. Uh, Anyway... We had a long weekend of racing. Six races uh, to talk about. It was certainly, if you were a motorsports fan, it was Automotive Nirvana. Uh, We had Dover, Delaware was hopping with a truck race on Friday. The Cup and the Xfinity guys and girls both raced on Saturday and Sunday then we had the race that stands out all around the world the Indianapolis 500 the 104th annual race Uh, and we also have not only all talk about all the racing we we also have some rumors and whatnot to discuss so let's get right to it as I said, we had <clears throat> six races this weekend. Zane Smith won the truck race uh, for his second career win. Austin Sindrick and Chase Briscoe won Xfinity races on Saturday and Sunday. Then we had Denny Hamlin winning the cup race on Saturday, beating out teammate Martin Truex Jr. And then on Sunday, we had Kevin Harvick tying Kyle Busch on the all-time leaderboard and not only that it was also Ford Motor Company's 700th win in NASCAR's top series and not on and also on top of that it clinched Kevin Harvick with the 2020 regular season championship uh, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, 
that were just one race away from actually being in the playoffs, which is certainly something, um, especially with all the sports right now uh, due to the pandemic and other factors going on in the world are canceling seasons or postponing them or any you know everything going on that NASCAR is going into playoff mode already uh, we're 11 races away from the end of the season and this weekend is the cutoff race for the playoffs at Daytona uh, a track and a race uh, which was formerly the Firecracker 400 uh, has gone through some name changes since then and a date change finds itself the end of August right in hurricane season oh yeah which is just mind-blowing and a major goof on NASCAR's part I believe uh, but it's sure to pack some excitement as we have three drivers uh, at the end of the playoff bubble. Um, after Sunday's race, Matt DiBenedetto is nine points to the good with William Byron uh, just edging out Jimmy Johnson for that final playoff spot. Now, if Johnson were to win... At Daytona, it would automatically knock Byron out of the playoffs. If any of the drivers that are currently locked into the playoff format as it is right now, clinch, uh, win this weekend, they'll not only clinch their way into the playoffs, which if they're already in, then that's kind of self-explanatory, but... It would leave Byron, Benedetto, and Johnson continuously hunting for that playoff spot. But if another driver outside of the top 16 were to lock themselves in, whether it be an Eric Jones or a Tyler Reddick or, or hell, even a Bubba Wallace or a John Hunter Nemechek were to somehow pull off a win at... Daytona, they would lock themselves in and bump Byron out. It's a crazy playoff scenario. It's, and it only gets crazier with Daytona being such a crapshoot that it's impossible to pick. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of fantasy, you know, fantasy race and, you know, do that type of thing because um, there's way too many scenarios and way too many variables uh, especially at a super speedway track to kind of handicap the field um, post Daytona prior to the race you know but anyway um, big props to all those winners over the weekend but that wasn't the big news the big news not only uh, did we have all that we also had the hundred and fourth 
installment of the Indianapolis 500, the the biggest race in the world. Um, this one, which not only saw its date move and was held without fans, this one saw a little bit of everything. Uh, cars, cars damaged on the first lap. Uh, a really scary incident at the end of the race. And a little bit of controversy. Uh, the controversy with Takuma Sato uh, from Japan driving for Bobby Rahal and David Letterman picking up his second career Indianapolis 500 win. Uh, Sato is still the only Japanese driver to ever win the Indianapolis 500. And this year he beat out uh, Scott Dixon in a race that ended under caution, which caused the ire of a lot of fans and Dixon himself as the race could have been restarted after a Spencer Piggott crash uh, that knocked loose a tire barrier uh, within five laps to go. Uh, social media was just a buzzing uh, with the fact that the race could have been red flagged. The tire barrier set back up and let Sato and Scott Dixon, who was the dominant car for a good majority of the race, duke it out for the win. Now, okay, a lot of people like this, but a lot of people want all the traditions and were up in arms over this year's Indy 500 being run without fans. Uh, this and that and moved to Ma you know, moved out of Memorial Day weekend how it was a sacrilege and this is what really really pissed me off hearing all these people saying how sacrilegious uh, the running of, of Indy in August because of a worldwide pandemic Clamoring on tradition, tradition, tradition it has to be Memorial Day weekend. There has to be fans. They have to do the balloons. They have to sing back home again in Indiana. There has to be 33 cars on the starting grid. But some of those same fans were the ones that, after the race, were bitching. Straight up pissing and moaning because IndyCar did not throw the red flag. You bitch about tradition. You bitch about being sacrilegious. But you want the Indianapolis 500 a race a advertised 500 mile race which has only been shortened due to weather to go 
extra laps, extra miles. So you could see a shootout between two drivers. A race that has never been red flagged for a crash just to restart. I, I absolutely do not understand race fans. Some fans, uh, I, I want to say race fans, but race fans are a lot more tolerable than fans of other fandoms, whether it's Star Wars or wrestling, because I've heard some absolutely shitty and stupid stuff come out of their mouths. And I've seen it firsthand. But just the logic sometimes, it just does not com compute. When you complain about tradition, you complain about being moved from May to August, to hopefully have fans at the track, you have a fit about that. You have a fit when uh, the, the Indiana State uh, CDC and um, the city of Indianapolis are kind of like, oh, you probably shouldn't let in fans just so we don't have another outbreak. You get upset about that. You get upset that they ended their traditional blackout for the Indianapolis 500 on, ra on television in the state of Indiana. You bitch about this, you bitch about that, but you want the race to either go A, extra mileage, or B, throw a red flag, which is something they've never done in the history of the Indianapolis 500. It's an average, it's a 200 mile, 200 lap race. It's advertised for 500 miles, 200 laps, and yet people bitch because they want it to go extra because they don't want so-and-so to win or this or that. And I don't think a lot of the fans had a knock on Sato because this isn't like a fluke win where this isn't like a big controversy like the Paul Tracy Helio Castro Neves win back in 2002 during the IndyCar um, cart, uh, champ car uh, split where it was a I guess you could say biased officiating uh, that gave the win to an IndyCar guy over a champ car guy there was a lot of controversy that but this isn't the case. Crash happened, and thankfully Spencer Piggott is okay. Uh, the driver who hit that tire barrier, um, and Takuma Sato's teammate. Uh, thankfully he is okay, but the point is... Sato, as I said before, is a two-time winner, and had 
almost won it a couple of years prior to his first win. Uh, actually had wrecked himself out very, very late in the race uh, when he pretty much had the race in hand. So, I, I don't understand all the hate on that. I don't understand why it's so controversial, people. The race ended under caution. Um, sorry, but that's how races for many, many years until NASCAR uh, took the lead with after what some other short tracks and other lower series were doing with these green-white checkers, you know, try to finish the race under a uh, under a green track instead of a, a track under caution. So, I, I'm very happy for Sato, um, you know, as, you know, I do pull for um, Bobby Rahal's team, both Sato and Graham Rahal, um, but it was, it was, if you were a Penske fan, it's a very uneventful race. I think Joseph Newgarden led a couple of laps, but um, the the Penske um, stable was very um, conspicuous at the front of the field in their absence. Um, Andretti Autosport they they had their ups and downs. Uh, Alexander Rossi was competitive until he got hit with a penalty on pit road where he left and touched um, tires with Takuma Sato and was assessed a, a penalty, which I can understand a little bit. Had it been in a stock car or another kind of car, I can see them letting that go but in an open wheel forum I, I I understand the safety issues uh, so it was, it was one thing I yeah um, you know but a lot of teams there were a lot of strong cars up at the front of the field um, the arrow cars of Oliver Askew and this year's Indy 500 rookie paddle award were very strong they were definitely top of their top of their game but there were others uh, that just were not you know Marcus Erickson who wrecked out early in the race uh, Ed Carpenter stepson of former president of Indy Motor Speedway and IndyCar uh, Tony George uh, Ed got some damage in a first lap uh, altercation with Zach Veach and ended up being I believe 15 laps down uh, but somehow continued to drive the US Space Force car uh, to the end of the race. So, all in all, it was a good 500. It wasn't one of the best. It wasn't a wild one like the 1992 uh, 500. But it was it was a it was a good race. Uh, something that IndyCar is 
possibly open, you know, to playing with different things with the with the windscreens and whatnot. And they and they held up very admirably at um, at the high speeds that we see at a two and a half mile track like Indy. Um, but we do have some Indy news as it's floating around that. Uh, the heads of F1 were at the premises for the Indy 500 and that there is talk of bringing the U.S. Grand Prix back to Indianapolis. Um, currently, it was run at the Circuit of Americas in Austin, Texas. And that there is the possibility of, of Formula One running a oval race on the Yard of Bricks. And that would be something. Uh, right now, like I said, it's just like in, you know, preliminaries. Um, not going to put a whole lot of stock into it right now. Um, but I, I found that as an interesting rumor. Uh, another rumor going around this one on the NASCAR side is that Denny Hamlin and Hall of Fame NBA player, legend, team owner, and face of the 90s, Michael Jordan would be buying into Richard Petty Motorsports and that, thus moving the team to Toyota and being a satellite team. Um, there's been rumors about this for a couple of weeks now. Uh, nothing official, but there's a couple of roadblocks in the way. Uh, first, a PR rep for Jordan has denied this rumor. Uh, a second part of this is um, while Denny Hamlin is driving for Joe Gibbs Racing, he is not allowed to own his own team as it would be a conflict of interest and an unfair advantage for Joe Gibbs Racing. Um, another, another little part of that is if Richard Petty Motorsports were to move to Toyota and get support from Joe Gibbs Racing, uh, it would be better after the 2021 season as NASCAR will be introducing, uh, their Gen 7 car and to switch manufacturers for one season uh, would be a pretty much a waste of money and for a team like Richard Petty Motorsports money they do have money coming in from sponsors that are affiliated with Bubba Wallace but they don't have the money to pull off something that big and actually be competitive from the get go so that that rumor is still buzzing around there is i guess there is some kind of truth to it and the only way i could see that happening is if denny hamlin himself leaves joe gibbs racing to go to this newfound team uh so anyway uh we have that we have um some more darlington throwbacks to report and looking at them I'm kind of realizing as much as I loved the throwback weekend for the Southern 500 and their new 
partner uh, grill out. This is going to be called the Grill Out Southern 500. Apparently, Grill Out some kind of burger place in the South. Never heard of it until they just announced that they're now the entitlement sponsor of that race weekend. Um, as I was saying, you know, the, the throwbacks are getting, seems like we're getting later and later in the year. Um, and Darlington, I mean, is only a week away. Uh, as that is what opens the chase. And many teams have not unveiled their cars for the Labor Day tradition. The Labor Day traditional race. Um, I haven't seen anything from Kyle Busch or Denny Hamlin. Or Eric Jones. Uh, some drivers are doing throwbacks to themselves. Um, Kevin Harvick, as I said last week, is doing one to throw back to Bush Beer and being the sponsor of uh, what is now the Xfinity Series and their beer cans. But. Uh, the one that really got me, you know, we've, we've had some cool ones this year. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, definite props to the Hendrick Motorsports Organization uh, with their tribute to Jimmy Johnson on their three of their cars and Jimmy's tribute to Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty on his. Um, but the, the laziest one that I've seen uh, is the Martin Truex Jr. one. Where he is doing a Bass Pro Shops throwback to Hank Parker Jr., um, the former racer uh, and fisherman. Um, he's doing a throwback to, to Hank's Bass Pro Shops car, which is almost identical, other than a couple of different sponsorship contingencies changing on the rear of the car to what he ran last year that was a throwback to when he won his two Bush Series championships uh, driving for Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s former team Chance 2 Motorsports. Now I can understand them being similar because uh, Parker would drive the car in 2003 on a part-time schedule and Truex would move into that seat the next season uh, with Bass Pro still on the car so it does make sense but it's just really really lazy um, there has been a hint leaked on social media that we may be seeing a really cool one but until that one comes out, uh, it's not only a really awesome car. The car was awesome in the 90s. So it was probably one of my favorite paint schemes of the 90s. Uh, but it's a tribute to a, a driver that has passed on that a lot of newer fans don't really know. 
um, older fans, uh, was a young man who had a lot of talent, and unfortunately, he was taken away way too soon in a in a crash twenty years ago. So we'll talk. We'll discuss that uh, once it's unveiled. Um, if this room, if this rumor and this leaked picture is true, this little teaser is true, we'll definitely talk about it next week. Um, just little quick hits to follow up on. ARCA is doing some rescheduling, some combining of races. Um, to try to get their season in. Um, so it's going to be very interesting because I believe Salem was canceled. DeCoin and Springfield. Uh, which is a shame because I would like to see the ARCA. The talented young drivers of the ARCA series uh, race on the dirt. Um, for that. Uh, another quick hit is that he, as I'm recording this on Thursday, uh, Wednesday the 26th was the 24th anniversary of jski.com. Uh, jski was the site where you got all your NASCAR information um, from the mid-90s up until a couple of years ago when ESPN bought out the website. And it went dormant after ESPN shuttered all their racing programming for F1. Um, it was restarted a couple of months later uh, with Jay Adam Zesky. I think that's how you say his name. But the world knows him as Jayski. And, you know, 24 years is, is a big accomplishment, especially in the world of social media and, you know, Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. But JSK had been the site where not just fans got their information, but also teams and drivers found out what was going on in the sport. It's been a very big contribution to the sport of auto racing and NASCAR in particular, so... Props to Jay and his crew over there at jski.com. Uh, and a correction and retraction. Last week I said that there were six drivers that were already listed for the, uh, the SRX series. Uh, it is five... Uh, and Tony Stewart was the first driver confirmed for it, according to everything that I had read. I guess when I missed that in a press release. Uh, I'm only human. So, um, this weekend we have Daytona. IndyCar will be back soon. I'm Matt Hardman, and I'll talk to you next week.